Good afternoon, CSF family. I am super excited to get to share with you guys from 2 Timothy today. Um, it's a real privilege to be uh, coming on this last night of worship and, and sharing with Nathan. Um, I actually met Nathan at the first ever night of worship I came to my freshman year. Um, and since then, we've led a life group together for three years and have roomed together for two years. So this is this is really special for me. Um, man, it has been a crazy yet super fruitful semester. Um, there's been tons of lessons from the books of Timothy throughout this year. Um, but the ones which stand out to me the most are uh, the challenge from 1 Timothy 6 to use the gifts that God has given us to pursue um, those six godly things he laid out. Check out 1 Timothy 6 if you want to see what those things are. Um, there's also another one which really stood out to me was the call in 2 Timothy 1 um, that in the midst of the coronavirus and in the midst of a less than ideal end to my senior year um, that um, even though I am filled with tears about many of those things, um, that the grace and mercy and peace of God can ultimately fill me with joy. Um, and so that has been awesome and really cool to see. But now here we are in 2 Timothy 6, and we're wrapping up the semester. Um, all semester, our theme has been furthering the flame. Paul is showing Timothy how to live out the Christian life. And Andrew asked me to share a story which relates to this passage. Um, but I think the story which best relates is the one which is happening to me right now. And so I don't know the end of it, um, but I will share what God has been teaching me about furthering the flame um, as I come to the end of my senior year. So at the start of this passage, Paul tells Timothy that Paul has fought the good fight, he has kept the faith, and his time of departure is near. You know, the nice thing about college is that all of the endings are obvious. Every class has a final, internships have an end date, Life groups have a last meeting, and the whole experience at the end of four years has a graduation. Except for a lot of us, those ends have come months before we planned. And I don't know about you guys, but I had a lot of plans that I watched go right out the door. Plans for conversations and game nights with my roommates. Invitations to nights of worship for those classmates I had was waiting to just know a little bit better. Coffee with friends who have loved on me since my first semester on campus. There are many things I am thankful I did. I did have friends over for game nights, life groups which I attended, classmates which I connected with, and learning which I accomplished. But the whole situation makes me think about James 14, when we're told that our lives are but a vapor that appears for a while and then vanishes. You see, Paul was able to have no regrets at the end of his race because he knew that the time to further the flame was today and not tomorrow. Another passage which Paul wrote, which I've been preaching to myself recently, and that I think is helpful when I think about this concept of today and not tomorrow, is in Philippians 3, when Paul says, I do not consider that I have taken hold of it yet, it being righteousness, but forgetting what lies behind, I press forward heavenward towards Christ. I think there are two correct ways to see this passage. The first is to look into our past and see failures and mistakes and let them hold us back. And Paul's saying, don't worry about the failures and mistakes of your past. Today, starting today, hold fast and strive forward to obtain the goal of Christ. There's a part of me which regrets things that I did not do before the end of college. But God's grace is new every morning and every minute of every day is a new opportunity to break free from the failures of the past and to further the flame today. The second way to see this passage is that we can't relax and just point to the good things we've done in the past and think we're good to go. If anybody could have relaxed and been given a free pass, it would have been Paul. He was incredible and did so many things. And yet Paul still says, I don't hold on to the past. 
I don't hold on to the gospel that I've preached to thousands of people and the thousands of churches that I've planted. He said, no, it's a privilege to every day push forward and strive to become closer to God. You know, it's easy for me um, to look back at my college career and say, you know what, I did a really good job. I, you know, led a life group for four years and I had the privilege of being used by God to um, bring some of my friends closer to him. And I've personally seen in myself a ton of maturity and a ton of growth. And yet, if I take this mentality of I'm doing a great job, then that can prohibit me from taking up the flame today. And it causes me to say, you know what? I get a free pass for a couple of years here coming out of college. I've put my time in. I'll get back to Jesus later. And that's not the mentality we're supposed to have. Whether it is um, something bad in our past or something good in our past, neither of those things should be allowed to hold us back. And instead, we need to take hold and further the flame today and not tomorrow. You see, all of us are coming to the end of another school year. And all of us need to forget what lies behind and press forward so that we might say, just as Paul did in 2 Timothy, that we have fought the good fight and that we have kept the faith. I don't know what this looks like for everybody. Maybe it's stepping out in faith and letting Andrew know you want to lead a life group next year. Maybe it's picking a book of the Bible to read over the summer with some friends. Maybe it's volunteering at your local church, or maybe it's learning to wake up every morning and pray. Maybe it's reading 25 chapters in one day to catch up on your Bible yearly Bible reading plan. For me, though, I know that furthering the flame today and not tomorrow means practically joining a Bible study at my church, reaching out to my friends for support, stepping into the role that God has given me as a husband, and starting a career in finance more excited about how God will use me than I am about my personal ambitions. Guys, the time is not tomorrow. The time is today. Love you all so much. Keep furthering the flame. Thank you so much, Ryan, for sharing that testimony. What an amazing journey it's been over the past four years having you in our ministry. I loved getting to see you grow in your relationship with God. Well, that reminds me of a story of one time I was speaking with these two college students, uh, both of them Ball State students, and they were trying to talk to each other about keeping each other accountable with exercising. And the one guy says to the other guy, he says, hey, uh, would you be up for a bike ride? I really need to get some more exercise in. And the other guy says, oh man, I would love to do that. How about tomorrow? (laughs) And that tends to be how we view things that in changes and and whether or not we're ready, we want to do it tomorrow instead of focusing on today. And that also reminds me of a quote from A.W. Tozer that says, If God is to use a man or woman, that man or woman has to get ready. Well, there is a lot of truth in that, that we have to get ready for God to use us and to do great things in our lives. But we also need to remember that everyone in the Bible, if you look back throughout the history of Scripture and the history of mankind, everybody that God has used does not think that they're ready or prepared to do what God has asked them to do. And so now to them, always seem like a mistake on God's part. And maybe you felt that same way. But the time for you to make your wake in the kingdom of God is today. Uh, Check out this verse before we get started into our passage for today. It comes from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7. And it says, Today you must listen to his voice. 
Do not harden your hearts against him. Today you must hear his voice and not harden your hearts. So let's listen to this idea of now and think about the end of the semester, entering into yet another new season that God has in store for us. Uh, We need to keep this idea as we go throughout the whole uh, message tonight. The time is not tomorrow. The time is today. Hey guys, Kennedy here. I'm a senior here at IEPY studying communication studies out of the School of Liberal Arts. Today I will be reading 2 Timothy 4, 6-8. And the word says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, fight, and I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is a laid up for me crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also to who have loved his appearing. Amen. Wow, those verses are so powerful, even for today. I'd like to call this section poured to the prize. And Paul says the time of his death is near. And when he says this, I am being poured out. It is a shout back to Philippians chapter 2, verse 17. He was now about to fulfill the very thing that he spoke of nine years earlier. And one thing that stands out to me about him saying this is that he, he isn't afraid. He's not disappointed. He's not bemoaning his past. He is anticipating his future and... He is about to step into all that he had recorded earlier. And the noun departure here is used only once in the New Testament. And G. Abbott Smith notes that it carries the idea of a boat taking up its anchor and being pushed away from the shore. Uh, On its next mission, it, it speaks also of a soldier taking up his tent and moving to the next location. And this quote, from D. Guthrie is great too. What might seem the end to Timothy appears to the apostle as a glorious new era when he will be released from all his present restrictions. Isn't that a great way to look at heaven for you and I? That all the restrictions, all the limitations that we, we face here on earth will all of a sudden be removed and we will reach our full potential in heaven on that next journey that God has us on. And he says he has fought. He is finished. He has remained. Here we see three words that communicate finality. In the ancient world, one was military, the word fought. One was athletic, the word finished. And one was business, remained or kept. Paul does another shout back here to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. And he said that back then to, to Timothy to fight the good fight. And now he can say confidently that he has fought the good fight. Follow through is the one thing that gives us some of the greatest satisfaction in this life when we actually follow through with something. We come to the end of finals week and you you finish all the projects. Some of you are working on capstone if you're seniors. Uh, when you come to the end of that, it's just so exciting. And I remember the first time that I read through the book of Philemon in the New Testament, I said with confidence, I have now read an entire book of the Bible. Well, imagine the emotions and the satisfaction that comes when you come to the end of your life and you have fought the good fight like Paul had. He says, and now the prize awaits me. 
He is excited about what is next. He uses the term crown, the, the, used for wreaths that were placed around the necks of ancient Greek Olympians when they had won uh, a competition. Yet in this scenario, God is the one who is doing the rewarding. The prize is for all of us who have loved Jesus and long for him to set everything right. Maybe that's the best thing to look forward to in heaven is everything being set right. Everything as it should be. The most exciting words we will hear from Jesus at the end of our lives will be, Well done, good and faithful servant. Matthew 25, 23. The time is not tomorrow. The time is today. Hey CSF, my name is Mike, and today we're going to be reading 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 15, as well as 19 through 21. Verse 9 says, Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. Verse 19 says, Greet Prissa and Aquila in the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. As we come to the second section of our verses tonight, we see that Paul lists what I counted to be 17 different names of people that either had a positive or a negative effect on his ministry and in his personal life. And we may despair when we come to passages like this that have a long list of names. And I like to use the Eugene Peterson quote where he says that we may just dismiss these names and wonder why they're included and despair when we see them unless it was our names that were in the text. We may pay more attention. We'd be looking to try to find where our name was at. But we see this, that these 17 names uh, there's so much rich meaning wrapped up, and there's just a few different things that really stood out to me as I was thinking about these names and who these people were. Uh, number one was that Paul was a real man who interacted with real people. And Paul is a historically verified figure in history, and so are those that he came into contact with. And all throughout the Bible, this is one of the, the greatest witnesses to the, the reliability of the scriptures is the is set in history, in real-time history with real people. And the Bible has the fingerprints of all of these kinds of people all over it. Uh, we have the people who actually wrote down the scriptures. We have those that dictated the scriptures. We have God himself and his fingerprints are all over it through what we believe to be the inspiration of these scriptures and so that's the first thing, that he's a real man who interacted with real people in real time. The second thing that really stands out to me is that he didn't do what he did alone. Paul depended on others. And this intensified toward the end of his life. He's asking for books in this passage. He's asking for clo his cloak to be brought along. And 
we see that though God did amazing miracles through Paul in his ministry, uh, he raised uh, many uh, people from the dead. He performed many miracles. He himself uh, survived incredibly intense beatings and persecution, and he survived them all. But we see later in his ministry, it was a little bit different. And Norman Geisler's quote comes in really handy here and is very interesting to think about. And he says that later in his ministry, Paul apparently could not heal some of his trusted, his own trusted helpers. Philippians chapter 2, verse 26, this passage, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 20. If he had still possessed the power to perform miracles, then why was he asking for prayer and recommending that his helpers take medicine? 1 Timothy 5.23, that's just an interesting uh, thing to think about. But he had to depend on others. I wonder if he was um, not allowed by the Holy Spirit to do as many miracles toward the end of his ministry because it was teaching us how we have to depend on other people to accomplish all that God has asked us to do as leaders. The third thing that really stands out to me is that he experienced disappointment and he had opposition. He faced opposition. And we, a lot of times, may romanticize the, the people, the characters in the Bible and say, well, God could never do anything like that through me uh, because of our circumstances. And yet Paul always had someone like this man, Alexander the coppersmith, or people in this passage that deserted him, that disappointed, that let him down throughout his ministry. So if, if this is you, if you, and this is all of us actually, if you have experienced discouragement and people have let you down and maybe have harmed you, consider yourself in good company tonight. Paul was also let down by those who were in his life. So we have this big dilemma. Do we put uh, our our, our love and our trust into people? Will we depend on people? It's a risky business to say that we will depend on others. But if we're going to be the leaders that God has asked us to be, we have to do that today. We have to do it right now. The time is not tomorrow. The time is today. At my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. We're jumping around a little bit tonight in our passage and it's kind of sad coming to the very last section of 1st and 2nd Timothy. We've had a great semester studying these two books, these two letters from Paul to Timothy. And I'd like to call this last section, When God Makes Up the Margin. When God Makes Up the Margin. Here we, we see that Paul is more than likely referring to a preliminary hearing of the Roman judiciary system during his imprisonment. And this is probably his second Roman imprisonment. And there's lots of debate on this, but we don't have time in this video to go through all of that. But this is when he said, no one came to his defense. And this is probably not the account in the book of Acts when he, he's going through the same kind of thing. Uh, but there will always be times in our lives when the names will not be enough, or those names, like we talked about earlier, will be too much. <laughs> they'll be overwhelming. Uh, they'll be distracting. 
when we everybody will be stripped away. And this is why we must cling tightly to our first love. See Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, where Revelation 2-4 is really where I got that from. We will say with the psalm writer in Psalm 73, verse 25, we will say, Whom have I in heaven but you? Paul says that the Lord stood beside him. And the word used for strengthen here is the same word Paul used in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Many of you may know that. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There is, was nothing that was going to stop Paul because of the strength that Christ was giving him. He was praying for Timothy to have that same kind of strength. And when it, he mentions the lion's mouth, many people have thought many things about this, but Psalm twenty-two, twenty-one seems to be obvious. It was a messianic psalm about Jesus, way before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Uh, but others, others think it might have been a literal lion amphitheater reference of Nero and the way that he did things in Rome. We don't know, but we do know that God spared Paul's life on many occasions. And he says not only did the Lord stand with him, stand next to him and strengthen him, but the Lord will. He says the Lord did and the Lord will. One of the ways that we know what God may do in the future is what he has done in the past. Now, God rarely does the same thing twice, but he, he does continue to move and to work in our lives. And so Paul here is alluding to heaven once again. This is Philippians chapter 1, something that he, else that he wrote. Verse 6, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. This is in full effect. God was going to finish what he started in Paul's life. And the very last verse of 2 Timothy is verse 22. And he says two things. The first is a personal message to Timothy. And the second one is to the grander audience in Ephesus and even to us today. The first thing, uh, special thing that he says to Timothy is, The Lord be with your spirit. The your here is singular. That's how we know it's a message directly to T Timothy. It is a blessing and a prayer for him to be strong enough to endure all that's going to happen from here on out without Paul being in the picture. And he says, grace be with you. This is uh, not singular. This is plural, indicating that the letter is to be circulated to the entire church in Ephesus and possibly even us, right? The time is now for Timothy. Paul has given him Actually, more accurately, God has given him all he needs to lead Christianity into its next season without their greatest church planner and leader. How scary would that have been for Timothy to step into that new season? Well, we are the Timothys. We are the ones responsible for seeing the church continue its mission that Jesus has given us, which is to go into all the nations Make disciples, baptize them, and teach them because he is going to be with us. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. The time is not tomorrow. The time is today. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Nathan. As Ryan said earlier, um, we've been roommates now for uh, around two years. And uh, we first met each other um, at the first night of worship our freshman year. And uh, we hit it off ever since. We played uh, Euchre games back at, back at the Tower, um, hung out, had a lot of movie nights, and just 
Um, freshman and sophomore year really developed a strong friendship. Um, and I've just loved rooming with him. Um, also, Mike Smith, Jace Everland, you guys are the best. And uh, it's awesome just the friends that um, CSF, formerly Impact, um, just put around me and the, the community that God gave me. And I'm just incredibly thankful um, that I've been able to be a part of this. Um, so thank you just to everyone who's been around me um, throughout college, who's been encouraging me, um, building me up, meeting with me, mentoring me, all those cups of coffee. Um, Thank you. Uh, the, your words um, and your exhortation has been invaluable in my life, um, and it set me on a different course. So thank you very much. Um, I wanted to share with you just some just some thoughts on why, uh, like the message that we're talking about, why the time is not tomorrow, but the time is today. And honestly, what I'm going to share with you are personal experiences. Um, where I had to answer something, step out of my comfort zone, um, something that I didn't want to do, I felt totally inadequate to do, but God brought so much blessing as a result. So um, I've also made a lot of mistakes, though, where I haven't done that. Um, and sadly, the only thing I've experienced by doing that and waiting for tomorrow is sadness, pain, and the hurt of others around me. Um, so one verse that's really stuck out to me and Andrew uh, you, you shared this verse with me um, a couple years ago, and it stuck, was Acts 3.19. So, repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. If any of you have been a Christian for long, you've likely felt that call from God to step out into something now and not tomorrow. And that is an uncomfortable call, and a lot of us have experienced it. Um, if I can be real with you, one of my biggest experiences with this feeling was uh, when Andrew asked me to be president um, of CSF. I felt totally inadequate. Um, I didn't feel like I was where I needed to be personally and spiritually to fill that position and to do that well. Um, I didn't feel like I had the time for it. Um, but I will tell you that answering that call, that call from not just Andrew, but God, um, that call for now was one of the best decisions that I ever made in my life. Um, it led to so much personal growth, but more importantly, spiritual growth um, in my life. And it, it wasn't, it's not been something that, you know, it's been a linear progression all the time. It's been, it's had its ups and its downs. And if you've met with me, um, you've been there through those ups and downs and you've talked with me and you've encouraged me and you've pushed me towards the Bible. Um, but one thing that I can say is that over the past two and a half years, God has done so much in my life. Um, and I'm in a way better spot um, as a Christian now than I just was a matter of a couple years ago. Um, I want it to be said of us. I want it to be said of me, like it says in Acts 13, 36. Um, and one of my mentors um, shared this verse with me, and it's just, it's a prayer now for me consistently. And it says, for David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep. Now, I want you to do something. I want you to pray that and to substitute your own name in there. Um, I read this verse and I pray to God that it would be said, for Nathan, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep. The only way I can get there, um, the only way you can get there, is by saying yes, that the timing is now answering that call that God puts upon us. 
Let me tell you, if God is calling you right now and tugging at your heart to leave that sin, to say yes to that position, there's not gonna be some grand experience that's gonna pull you out of your comfort zone and help you to say yes to that call. You need to make that one decision to be faithful, to step out of your comfort zone and into God's light. Uh, you make that first step and see what God's, God does, because let me tell you, it's gonna be beautiful. Um, I'd like to finish up with something that I've never done before. Uh, and this is with a poem. Uh, the author is unknown, I wish he was, um, so we could give the credit to him for this because it's incredible, um, but I just wanna share this with you. So it says, the will of God will never take you where the grace of God cannot keep you, where the arms of God cannot support you, where the riches of God cannot supply your needs, where the power of God cannot endow you. The will of God will never take you where the spirit of God cannot work through you, where the wisdom of God cannot teach you, where the army of God cannot protect you, where the hands of God cannot mold you. The will of God will never take you where the love of God cannot unfold you, where the mercies of God cannot sustain you, where the peace of God cannot calm your fears, where the authority of God cannot overrule for you. The will of God will never take you where the comfort of God cannot dry your tears, where the word of God cannot feed you, where the miracles of God cannot be done for you, where the omnipresence of God cannot find you. I think that's such an incredible description of when we say yes to the time he is now, when we're walking on God's will, he's gonna be faithful. Philippians 1, 6 tells us that he's gonna be faithful all the way until we go and see Jesus. So if we're in his will, if we're stepping out into his light, where he wants us to go in his path, if we say yes and we're faithful with that, he's gonna take care of us. Our doubts with that, our fears are totally unfounded. We can trust. Um, I wanna leave you with my motto for senior year. Um, it's called burn the ships. Um, and probably Jace, Ryan, and Mike are laughing right now because you saw that written on a piece of paper next to my bed. Um, now, some of you might recognize it because it's, a, it's, by a, it's by For King and Country. It's a song. And I just heard it at the start of senior year and it stuck with me. Um, and the verses go, burn the ships, cut the ties, stand the flare into the night. Say a prayer, turn the tide, dry your tears and wave goodbye. Step into a new day. We can rise up from the dust and walk away. We can dance upon the heartache. So light a match, leave the past, burn the ships, and don't you look back. Let's step out today, friends. Uh, let's not wait anymore. Let's step out of whatever darkness we're in, wherever God's calling us to go, let's step into his light. Let's be faithful with that and see what he does. Thank you, I appreciate it. Off to you, Andrew. Thank you, Nathan, for that amazing testimony. You also, along with Ryan and all these other seniors that we're trying to honor and, and be appreciative of, we, we really thank you for all you've done as our student president in this season of CSF. So let's just take a few things with us before we go tonight, uh, before we say goodbye to 2 Timothy. What are the application points that we can just immediately plug in and use right now? The first thing, uh, the time is today to loosen your grip. Jesus said, whoever clings to this life will lose it, and whoever loses this life will save it. We do not fear the changes of this life because we have loosened 
our grip on the things of this life, and we have tightened our grip on Jesus, and we have said, I have no good besides thee. I need you now more than ever. So that's the first thing from this passage. Loosen your grip on this life and tighten it on Jesus, on the hope of heaven. The second thing to take away is that we have to take the risk. Jesus also said, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And it may seem like a small, small verse, but it has giant implications. Anytime you choose to include others in your life, it is a risk. It is a risk, but it is a risk worth taking. Life is richer and more dangerous and much more sweeter when we include others. There will be Simon Peters and there will be Judas Iscariots. We will have people that carry us to the finish line, and there will be people trying to drag us to not make it to the finish line. But we have to take the risk if we're going to be the leaders that God has asked us to be. The last thing that really I think we can take with us is that we have to see him standing, Jesus. We have to see him standing with us. Do me a favor. Close your eyes and picture Jesus saying this to you. I want you to hear him say, you can do this. I am with you. You don't have to be afraid. This won't be easy, but it will be worth it. It will be worth it. I hope you feel that tonight. At an earlier time when Jesus did this for Paul, this is what he said to him as Luke recorded it in Acts 23:11. Be encouraged, Paul, just as you have told the people about me here in Jerusalem, so you will testify of the good news in Rome. Let me ask you a question tonight. Are you alive? Well, if you can understand that and you're with us tonight, then you are alive. If you are alive, God wants to help make that margin. We have to depend on others. We have to take risks. We have to loosen our grip on this life. But ultimately, we can't do that on our own. We've got to have the Lord stand beside us and tell us that we can indeed make it to the end. We can indeed flourish and become all that God has asked us to be. So what would happen if all of us were to take these steps today? I think we would see fear drop out altogether in our lives. We would really come to the place of fear and trembling and worship before God. I wouldn't fear losing my life as I now know it. I wouldn't fear people betraying me or taking my glory of having been able to say that I did it all by myself. I wouldn't fear that God would leave me if I really believed what we've talked about tonight. If we did this, if we stepped into this, we would be freed as a community to be dedicating our time and energy on making eternal advances in this world through art, engineering, marketing, finance, accounting, journalism, medicine, computer science, education, human resources, ministry in local churches, 
serving the poor, reaching the nations. Let's not wait until tomorrow. Let's go ahead and get started today in all that God has called us to step into. And I know that that, that is a pretty bold thing to say in light of this pandemic. But I think it, it needs to start today in your heart. Little steps that you can take to make a difference, an eternal difference in people's lives. So don't worry about this pandemic. No worries about this. God is going to bring us through this. He's going to carry us all the way. And I think right now we have to be creative, really creative, in doing what God has asked us to do today, not tomorrow. we got to buckle up and do our best to honor and glorify Him with every single breath that we take. The time is not tomorrow. The time is now.